This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You know, on a day like this, by the way, November 22nd, um, this is the now 59th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And I've always gobbled up, you know, everything that I could read about uh, about Kennedy and the assassination, all the subsequent conspiracy theories. I must have read Jim Mars's Crossfire book about 10 times, uh, one that was given to me by my late friend, the great Al Navis, who we used to work with at the Fan 590 when it was owned by Telemedia years ago. We used to do a show Saturday afternoons called The Book Doctor. Anyway, Al's no longer with us. He was one of the world's leading Kennedy researchers, was a dear friend of mine, um, had a little by appointment only bookseller business in the you know underneath a grocery store and um, in North Toronto called the Bunker and you know Al was a consultant on the Oliver Stone movie and I've always been fascinated with JFK so on a day like this I thought for the program today and we have some from you guys and we'll spit them out a little bit later on what is your favorite or maybe goofiest or most outrageous hockey conspiracy with that we bring in elliot friedman from 32 thoughts and hockey night in canada hello fridge hey jeff how you doing bud uh i'm doing well so one of the things that uh that i like doing on this show specifically elliot is directing people to books and um on a on a day like this and i'm going to ask you if you have a favorite hockey conspiracy theory and i'll share mine with you as well it involves Mm -hmm. clark and the philadelphia flyers there's a great book. It's written by Maury Holtzman and Joseph Neeforth. It's called Deceptions and Double Cross, How the NHL Conquered Hockey. And yep. what this one essentially does is it documents how the NHL was formed. And essentially, the NHL was formed, you know, on a, well, essentially, to, to be blunt, it was formed on a double cross. Um, Sam Lichtenstein, I think Tommy Gorman as well of Ottawa, and a lot of the other owners of a league called the NHA, which was the forerunner of the NHL, had just had it with Eddie Livingston, who owned the Toronto team, um, stabbed him in the back, double-crossed him, however you want to describe it, left him with the NHA and formed their own league called the NHL, uh, November 26th, 1917. So this league itself was founded based on a conspiracy of other owners to get Eddie Livingston out. And then, you know, yep. Frank Calder is the league's first president, you know, took domain of the Stanley Cup and has remained the domain of the NHL ever since. But that's a, a side story. So it, this is a league that's born in conspiracy. Do you I don't have even think that's a, I don't a even favorite think that's conspiracy. I think that's true. What's that? Oh no! It, no, it's it totally it's true. But I mean, the conspiracy—it's yeah. a—it's a—it's call it a plot. Then I mean, a conspiracy is just you know two or more individuals, you know, um, getting getting together to 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 initiate an action against another. Um, that's yeah. how this thing was formed because it was all done behind Eddie Livingston's back. Do you have a favorite or a pet hockey conspiracy, Elliot? Well, I do. First of all, Jeff, I'm getting tired of homework assignments on this show. I want to let you know that's two in a week. <laughs> and, you know, Sorry. I, I've never graduated from university, but I left university and I was told there would be no more homework. I, apparently, that's not true. Right. Uh, you know, I, uh, I I would say this. That I think there's two. Um, you know, I, I, I know there's a lot of people in, in Toronto who are, or are Maple Leaf fans who are convinced that there was no chance they were going to be let, allowed to play the Montreal Canadiens in the 1993 Stanley Cup final. You know, never mind that Wayne Gretzky yeah. played the game of his life, as he calls it in Game 7, to push the Kings past yep. the Maple Leafs. But that's definitely one that's still out there. I mean, I was 22 years old at the time. I'm 52 now. 
And I, and I know people who still believe that, and they can't be convinced otherwise. I think the other one, uh, yeah. also, that people are convinced. Oh, I, I shouldn't say that people are convinced. That people believe, and you'll never be able to change their minds. Was the uh, was the 2005 NHL draft? Crosby ending up in Pittsburgh. I still have people who ask me if I thought that one was fixed for the Penguins. I don't even know what to say. Like, you can't change people's minds. Uh, and I think that was, was that not the year as well that uh, the Anaheim Ducks got new ownership and somehow they ended number two? Like you can extend, you can extend that, uh, that grass, you know, a little bit longer. I think that's when the, isn't that when the Samuelis took over Anaheim? And they got it was, it was around two overall pick. It was, it was around, I can't remember. I'd have to check it exactly, but I mean, it's, it's more NBA than NHL, but if you want to take a look at, uh, draft lottery conspiracies going from Patrick Ewing oh, to yeah. LeBron James. Those are all over the NBA, yeah. but those are the two I, I hear probably the most uh, in, uh, in hockey is uh, I, I got to tell you that there's one, I, I was actually texting with a, with a buddy today about this when you were, when you asked me to come up and think of some, there's one, I don't even want to go there because I think it actually could be <laughs> true and it's just not worth it's not worth the aggravation. The aggravation just went up. Yes. Okay. Yes. Go go create an anonymous Twitter account. Send it to me, and <laughs> I'll read it, pretending that it's not you. Um, so he, you want to hear? So this, I think I might have told you this one before. Um, and again, I have no proof of this. This is just a conspiracy belief. So yeah. the Philadelphia Flyers won the Stanley Cup twice, seventy-four yep. and seventy-five. Um, and Bernie Perrant won the Conn Smythe Trophy. And when, and I, I think that, you know, listen, Bobby Clark was outstanding in those series and those cup wins and all that and probably felt a little bit miffed that maybe he felt that he deserved the Conn Smythe Trophy. My conspiracy about the Philadelphia Flyers when Bobby Clark was running them was always that Bobby went cheap on the goaltenders, and we always think of, you know, taking Van Beesbrook over Curtis Joseph when the two were available. Uh, yeah. My belief was always he always went with the lesser goaltender and always defaulted to forwards. And if you look at Philadelphia Flyers draft history, it's always been heavy until recently, really heavy on f- drafting forwards because they never for the longest time drafted or developed any elite level defenseman. Go check your hockey DB. Trust me, it's true. I'll wait. Um, my conspiracy theory is Bobby Clark always wanted to build a Stanley Cup team without a great goaltender to prove to himself that you that the Flyers didn't need Bernie Perrant to win in 74-75. They could have still won even, even if they, uh, if they didn't have a great goaltender. That Bobby wanted to prove you didn't need a great goalie to win. You know, you've told me this theory before, and honestly, Jeff, nothing would surprise <laughs> me. It's, um, again, it's just rattling around my brain. And by the way, um, just got a note. Oh, so Samuel, he's $75 million in 2005. So if there you, you want to take the, that conspiracy theory even more, uh, the Penguins getting Crosby first overall, and then the brand-new owners for their $75 million get a second overall draft pick. You know, there was – Ron has talked about this, McLean, when that lottery oh, my, happened. Uh, and Bill Wurtz? Bill Wirtz, yeah, okay, you know yes. this. So, yes, I've seen and, it. and you can I've hear it faintly, it. faintly in the background. The Penguins win the lottery, and he starts like at the top of his lungs saying "justice, justice." Nobody knows what it yes. means. It's one yes. of my white whales. I, I, it's one of my I white don't whales. Think I have we're no idea. Find out either. Yeah. 
No, I, I don't think he's given up that secret right now or anytime soon. All right. Um, a couple of, th- couple of things last night. Um, the Maple Leafs lose in overtime to the New York Islanders. Uh, yep. It's a comeback for the Islanders, and in the process, the Maple Leafs lose Morgan Riley. Now, yep. we still don't know the extent, uh, but like it, it losing Jake like Muzzin. Sounds like it's six weeks. Sounds like it's six weeks. Sounds like six answer. weeks? Yeah. So... Down Muzzin, down TJ Brody, and the news yesterday was it's you know not as good as the Leafs had hoped that it was going to be, um, and now Morgan Riley. Do you think that Dubis gets out into the marketplace on this one? Well, I think the thing, the challenge he has is, well, first of all, I already think he's out in the marketplace. I don't think this is a question of get into the marketplace. I think he's already there. You know, the the thing is, Brody's coming back, and from what we understand. Although they haven't officially confirmed it, Riley's coming back. The one that I think we all believe that they uh, won't have back this year, although it's not confirmed yet, is Muzzin. So, uh, but the number one thing, it's kind of like the others with Evander Kane, right? You sit there and you say, okay, we're down this player, but we know we have to be prepared for him to come back. We have, the, we have to have the ability under the cap to activate him when he comes back. So you've got that with Brody. You've got that with Riley. I don't think you're going to have that with Muzzin, but they haven't announced that yet for sure. Um, So everything you do has to be able to fit. You have to be able to bring back players when they're healthy. You know, we talked – I do think he's out there looking at things. Um, You know, remember Bear, okay? So I think the Bear bear deal was this. It was going to be – Toronto was going to take the um, the American Hockey League player. Oh, I, I forget his name off the top of my head too. That Vancouver took, and they were and three contracts were going back to Carolina. And you know the Maple Leafs weren't willing to do the late round draft pick because they didn't think they should eat the money and put in a pick. So everything I think about kind of goes with that. What they they only have I think four picks in this year's draft potentially, and they could lose one to Arizona. So I think everything I think of works in the framework of that. I'm, I'm curious to see on some of the top-end guys what they decide to do. But, Jeff, we talked a little bit about Timmons the other day on the podcast. I really wonder about yeah. that. I wonder if that – because, you know, he's not a big number. He's a guy Dubas had some intel on. I'm just curious to see if maybe he gets a short-term opportunity if they decide to go down that route. I, I just don't – I, I – I just know that whatever they have to do, they have to be able to activate Riley. So um, that's mm-hmm. kind of the way I look at this whole thing. Uh, Lane Peterson, by the way, is the player from yes. uh, in the in the Bear deal that you were looking for. Yeah. And and refresh my memory, where did Connor Timmons play his junior hockey again? It's uh, it's escaping yeah. me right now. Yeah, he's he's a Sioux guy. Um, so that's <laughs> kind of a name I, I, I'm wondering about a little bit. Look, I think he's out there. Yeah. You know, it's hard. Look. It's hard to trade for D right now. Ottawa's been working on this for for weeks, if not yeah. months. And, you know, again, you know, they've got – don't forget, like as, as we've talked about, you know, some of these players have no moves partial to Canada. And it, it, and it makes it even more of a challenge. So, you know, one of the guys I really wonder about is I think he's a good player. I don't think he gets a lot of attention. I, and his team is out of it is Gavrikov in, in Columbus. Like that, to me, that's a really intriguing player. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to sign him. Um, 
and I think he can help a good team. You know, that that's kind of a guy I've wondered about, not only for the Maple Leafs, but for a number of teams. Okay, so speaking of defensemen that are available, Jacob Chikrin returned last night. Now the Coyotes yeah. lost to the Nashville Predators, but nonetheless, Jacob Chikrin played, yeah. I think it was the neighbor, neighborhood of 20, 23 minutes last night. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, you know, they're going to play, I think they play Carolina, I believe they play on Wednesday. So, like, you know, the... You know, the, the demonstrate to the marketplace that Jacob Chikrin is healthy tour uh, has now begun. Do you get a sense of, I, I, and I've, I've been kind of saying that it, it's different from team to team, but do you have any idea of how many games Jacob Chikrin needs to play to demonstrate that he's healthy? Or does that matter? Or, or does that just, it, it, one team has a number, another team has a different number, and no one has the same numbers? Well, I just think it, it, he has to prove that he's healthy and he's effective. I mean, look, I, I think you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and 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 they said their team won't be in, won't be involved. And he just said that if you're trading for him, you, you're accepting a risk. Like, but at this time, mm-hmm. you know, the resume is long enough that you know you know what he is as a player. You know all the good things about him, and there's lots. Um, but you know that the biggest red flag is he gets hurt. And so I, I think, you know, you want to know he's healthy right now. You want to know he's effective enough to play as he returns. And, you know, I didn't see anything last night. I tried to, there was, and there were a lot of good games last night. I tried to watch as much of that game oh, yeah. as I could. There, there, there wasn't anything that stood out for me in terms of a, of a red flag last night in terms of what I saw, although I have to admit I didn't watch it with the closest of eyes. I just think he has to prove he's healthy right now. And then everybody understands what they're getting into. They, they know what his health is and what his situation is, and you accept a certain amount of risk if you make the deal. You know what was really tough last night, Elliot? What's that? <sighs> listening, listening to Bruce Boudreaux after that game. Was, I played <sighs> some of it off the top of the show. That was really, really tough um this is a connects team now that hits the road after squandering another you know uh multi-goal lead in the uh in the in the third period up four to two and then vegas give them full credit cue the comeback and give thatcher demko full credit as well man he kept that team in there uh for oh. the entire game demko the you know, losing cause was real good I, I, I'm at a loss for words now. I don't know what... I'm going to try to cobble some type of thoughts together for uh, the bottom of the hour when Ian McIntyre is here, but I, I'm i at a loss for words now what to say about or intimate or speculate about the Vancouver Canucks at this point. So I know Greg Shannon uh, produces those games. Uh, I'm not sure who directs them, but whoever directs the Canucks games for us... Um, Oftentimes, the picture tells the better story than the words do. And they got that shot of Rutherford after the Vegas goal. And that goal was disallowed. Um, I believe that was the one that was turned overturned on a great video challenge by the Canucks. But to me, it encapsulated the overall feeling of what's going on in Vancouver right now. Just the shot of Rutherford... Uh, just storming or turning his back on the ice, just knowing what he would be thinking. Like Jim Rutherford is, is a competitive, competitive guy. And just knowing what he would be thinking in that moment 
watching that 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 moment on television last night, you know that that shot really stuck with me. And you know, I, I watched Boudreaux too, and I'm with you. It's it's awful to watch because he knows what everyone is thinking. It's 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 another Vancouver lead that they had. Like they were down, they fought back, they had a lead, and they couldn't hold it. And you know, Rutherford has been open about this is the kind of thing that makes him crazy about this season, and it happened again. And Boudreau knows it, and everybody watching the Canucks knows it. And it's it's mm-hmm. tough. It's a it's a it's a tough way to lose. It's when you've blown that many leads this year. It's 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 awful to watch. It's awful to be a part of. And uh, that was a tough. I mean, that Vegas team, man. They're they're a hell of a team, Jeff, and they're. Yep. They're going really strong right now, but it's like Groundhog Day in in, Van, in in Vancouver. They keep losing games like that, and I think that's why Boudreaux reacted the way he did, and because I think he knew exactly what everybody was thinking. He's thinking it too, and that shot of Rutherford just looking so angry, um, and you knew what he was feeling. Um, geez, I mean, you know, like like I'm watching Vancouver and I'm watching Ottawa right now, like. I, I told you yesterday that I, um, I, I got. I was talking with someone from out there, and they're like, "You don't. They don't have to rush and do everything. You know, they. You don't want to. You don't want to compound your mistakes. Yeah. And you look at Ottawa, and you know Pierre Dorian. You know he's looking for a D. You know he stood up for his coach, and he told his players privately he was standing up for his coach in addition to saying it publicly. And then you keep getting these results. Um. It's tough because you think you have a plan and you think you have something to do that is the right thing to do. But when that momentum comes building the wrong way and it's tough to stop, boy, you you have this feeling like I, I, ha- I have to do something here. And you don't want to do anything you think is a mistake, but you're also sitting there and saying, I have to stop this somehow. It's a, it's a really, really challenging spot to be in really challenging you know there's a uh, there's an old military saying no plan was it no plan survives contact with the enemy and yeah. another way of saying it is how i believe your your grandmother used to say which was you plan god laughs you have all yeah, the plans that you want in the world yeah, or Mike Tyson. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face or punched in the nose. Yeah. Or Tyson's line. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's yeah. a similar theme. Like you'd have all the all the all the plans in the world. You know, let, let's let's pivot to Ottawa here quickly. I misspoke. McIntyre was going to join me bottom of the hour. He's traveling. Um, we have another Ian Mendez coming up here in a couple of moments. So we'll talk about yeah. the Ottawa Senators. Okay. So a couple of minutes before Mendez Mendez hops on, they lose to the San Jose Sharks. You know, they they lose to the San Jose Sharks um, last night in one of those games where you look at the schedule and you say, okay, something needs to stop it. Something needs to, to stop the bleeding. We need to change the, the negative momentum here. That could have slash should have been that game. Quite the opposite happens. Eric Carlson nonchalantly picks up another couple of points uh, in that game as well. Uh, we'll go more in-depth with Ian at the bottom of the hour, but just a, a quick thought. I know you've already talked about Dorian. A quick thought on, on what's going on there right now. Well, I, I think the, the I think they're really uh, – the, the thing about this that is concerning, for a long time, Ottawa was in games, right? And uh, yeah. I, I've had a couple of conversations about this 
about, you know, like goal differential. Like that's an important stat to keep an eye on because it generally gives you an idea of what your record should be. And for a while, Ottawa was very low in the Eastern Conference, but their goal differential was close to even. And, and that is generally, if you, if you talk to the, uh, to the eggheads, the people who are really smart and around the world, they will tell you if your goal if if your goal differential is even, you're probably a 500 team. Well, their goal differential is not even. So, so their goal differential is even, and they're far from a 500 team. It was, and now you look at the game on Saturday against New Jersey, and the game last night against San Jose, and that's when you start to worry that okay, we're falling here. Like before, we were we could say we were close. And maybe we're, we weren't getting the, we weren't making the game-defining plays, or we weren't getting the goal, or we weren't mm-hmm. getting the save. Like there was a bounce of game going against us that we were losing. Well, now that's starting to change. Now you're you're starting to get bigger losses. And you know, I really liked something that Kevin and Kelly said at the end of the show last Saturday night when they were talking about the Sanders. They said it's not a coach's fault if players aren't ready to play. Said that they, they said that they always felt it was their responsibility to get themselves ready to play. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a coach's fault. But, you know, we know what can happen in these situations, Jeff. I think that's the worry I have about Ottawa is all of a sudden the way they're losing. By the way, I wanted to ask you, did, like, I was watching that review last night in Vancouver. I actually didn't know. Like, I didn't think the like the, the, like the cap – for the uh, camera window falling on the ice, I didn't think that was the issue at all. But I didn't realize that if the puck got shot into the camera window and it hit the lens, that should be blown dead and it was out of play. Like, I was watching that review, and while it was going on, I went and looked up the rule, and they talked about the puck hitting the netting or the glove pass or the, or the missed high stick. Yeah. I didn't even think of that one. I didn't even think of that one. I... I had never considered that for a moment in my life. Yeah. Ever. And I would I would I would I would estimate ninety nine point nine nine percent of people watching that thing would have felt the exact same way. I had never I had never considered that before, Elliot. Like I have to that say was it a, makes that was a total, from a literal a literal point of view. For, like technically the puck yeah. is out of play. I, so I get it. It is. But I, I'd never seen it. I'd never considered it. I didn't see it as part of the rule. Like the Canucks video coach, whoever he or she is, they deserve a raise. Oh, big time. Well done. Good capture. You know, which is, which is why, and I, I don't know if you do this. This is something that um, well, you just mentioned Kelly a couple of seconds ago. Kelly mentioned this to me years ago, and ever since then, I always I try to do it at the beginning of every season. Um, read the rule book. Read the, the read, it's not just for officials. Yeah, and, and the, case, the case book as well. Like, read it. Um, you know, I've always, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. One of, the, one of the shows that I've always wanted to do is a show with NHL players and how well they know the rules. How well do you think, think you want to know NHL the answers like, there in are, some there, cases? Oh, I know. Like it's a, a any NHL that I've I've spoken to. It's like, yeah, I, we all have an idea of how to play, but like the minutia of rules, like no, we don't know it like the officials do clearly, which is bizarre because that's your like 
that's your job. <laughs> you're, you're, play, you're playing this game and you don't know all of the rules, which sounds bizarre, but then as a player, do you really need to know all of them. Anyway, I try to I try to read them every year. I, I suspect you're probably the same way. I know that that was advice uh, that I, I don't know from, if I from Kelly Woody years ago. Beginning of every year, read the rules. Uh, do you have a quick thought on Devils Oilers? Uh, concern for Edmonton and geez, 13 consecutive now for the for the Devils. And the thing that impresses me, I was mentioning this off the top before you came on. The thing about that impresses me most about New Jersey right now is just how mm-hmm. clinical they seem. Like they're going about yeah. just like like the Terminator robot. Like it is it is just clinical now how they're doing this. Well, I, I think the thing is, is that everybody's taking them seriously, and they're still winning. That's that's a yeah. good sign. Number two, I think everybody knows what their pre scouts are, and they're still scoring goals. Like, uh, like for example, the, the like some of the early ones last night, like those were goals mm-hmm. that you started to see similar kinds of patterns in devil games, and they're still able to score them. I think that that says a lot about who and what they are. Um, and, and you know what? I'm impressed that they're doing it. Um, I, I mean, just in general, I, I think they look like every, they've got a target on their backs. Now everybody wants to beat them and they're oh, still yeah. Oh, yeah. winning these games. I mean, look, I mean the Oilers, um, I, I look, I'm, I'm really curious about this. I mean, the one thing about that was interesting, like I thought Evander Kane was really good with us, with Scott and uh, Louie on After Hours yeah. the other night. You know, the one thing he said, he yep. still doesn't have feeling left back in his thumb. That's the one thing that really yep. concerned me. And, you know, like he's going to come back. You know he wants to. You could tell the way he was talking to. But I, I, I would say that the only concern I have is that, I mean, aside from the way they've played at times, is is there any worry here about... Kane's health returning to 100%. That was that was the one thing that stuck yeah. out to me. Uh, what's really sticking out to your point is how much they really, really miss him. Whether yes. it's Edler on McDavid, whether it's teams taking liberties, whether it's the L's piling up a little bit here. This is a team that really misses uh, Evander Kane. And, and yes. like I always say about you, Elliot, we can't miss you if you won't leave. So time to leave. <laughs> um Thanks as always, pal. We'll uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. Have a great show, Jeff. There he is. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada kicks off each and every broadcast here 